We're glad to have you here this morning. Uh, my name's David. I'm one of the pastors. You met Emily before. Uh, we're, we're glad to have you here. If this is your first time to be with us, uh, we hope that while you're here, you sense God's presence and uh, leave here uh, with a better knowledge of His love for you and, and uh, uh, wanting to be a part of what He's doing in the world. Uh, we're, we're really happy to have you here. Uh, yesterday, we uh, had a special event um, had a 5K race, a B count and challenged 5K race, and uh, I have some pictures of it here. But it was a great event. We we uh, it's, we're hoping it'll be an annual one. We had no deaths yesterday, at least they didn't die while on campus. So, um, but it was a it was a tough challenge. But we had a we had a good group of folks, over a hundred people that came. Uh, uh, they uh, uh, they they had a good time. The, we had uh, the band playing down there at the, the amphitheater, food prepared, there was volunteers all over the place, and so it was a really good event, and uh, we're, we're proud of that. Uh, the, the proceeds from it are going to two different charities, uh, Helping Hands Crisis Ministry, which you'll hear more about today, and then the Perdinalis Fire Department, and so uh, uh, we, uh, we're glad that we're able to do that and uh, uh, appreciate all of those that that made some efforts on, towards that regard. Uh, just to, to let you know, um, Don and Danielle, would you all stand for us? I know. <laughs> yeah. They're the ones that, uh, that uh, had the idea and then, and then saw it through to the end, and it was a, it was a great event, and uh, a good event for our church and a, and a great outreach event. So we thank them for their uh, uh, participation with us. Uh, we, uh, we are in a new series. Uh, started last week introducing it. And then over the, the next few weeks, we are going to be talking about some of the ways this church can and does and, and will uh, support people in need. We're, we're calling this series, uh, we're, we're going off of our, one of our we believe statements. We have five we believe statements that, that encompass our vision, our, our hopes of who we are as a church. And the, the one we're, we're following on, on this uh, series is we believe we can change the world. And we talked last week about how that's a bold statement, that we, we, we actually think that things we do ha- can, can make a difference in the world. And we talked last week that it's not because we think we're a special group of people. It's not because of who we are, or where we're positioned, or some great plan we have. The reason we believe we can make a difference is because we believe in God. Because we believe that, that God, through Jesus Christ, wants to reconcile and, and change and, and transform this world. It's, it's, what, it's what he's been trying to do forever. And we, we want to be a part of it. We believe in his strength. We believe in his power. We believe in his grace that he can meet us even in our weakness and turn even our, our poor efforts into blessings. And so we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. And, and what I, I, as I was telling the kids, we've, we've got symbols of the three major things we're going to be talking about over the, the next uh, few weeks. Helping hands, canned food drive, uh, that kind of stuff. You, you'll hear more about that in a minute. Guatemala next week, we're going to hear about, uh, uh, see some pictures from the mission trips. We had a women's mission trip and a men's mission trip to, to Guatemala this, 
this year. Uh, you'll, you'll hear more about that next week, talking about that ministry and, and, and who it's reaching, what it's doing. And then finally, uh, Nothing But Nets. Um, many of you have heard about that. It's a, it's a program that's been in existence for a little while. At the, begin, at the turn of the millennium, the United Nations Foundation wanted set a goal that there would be no malaria deaths by 2015. Uh, they've edited that date a little bit now, but uh, that that's a foreseeable goal. United Methodist Church was, uh, was partners in that, and then just recently the Bill Gates Foundation gave a, a grant to United Methodist Church saying, since you have people in that area, since you've already been working in that, we'd like you to energize your churches and, uh, and, and have them share with us uh, a continuation of the Nothing But Nets program. Uh, we're calling it Imagine No Malaria, and you'll, you'll hear more about that coming up as well. But the, we're, what, what we're doing is we're boiling down three ways that we are looking to support people outside of our circles. Because, you know, that's one of the problems we, we churches have had recently. You know, we, we finished this summer talking about rethinking church and evaluating who we are and what we're trying to do. One of the big problems with the organized church is that we only care about ourselves. We, we, want, we want bigger, uh, more beautiful buildings. We love all the programs. We love all the bells and whistles. We want, we want to be entertained. We, and we forget that the church isn't about where we come and sit. The church is about what we go and do. And so we're, we're going to be continuing that that thought, and um, what this ba basically boils down to, I think, is a justice issue. It's a justice issue. There are haves and there are have-nots in the world. And, and this has been the, the story from the beginning of time. There are the haves and the have-nots, and the haves need to share with the have-nots. Now, we, we love that. I, 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 stay with me here, because I know you love that in concept. All right? We, you know, we all like to stick it to the rich unless you're rich, and then you, you don't like that. But we, we like the idea that those who have more should give to those who have less. The time we don't like that is when we're the one in the more situation. And I want to let you know, even if you're the lowest in this room, you're the highest in the world. You, you are one of the haves. You are. I don't care who you are. I don't, wear, I, I don't know what your house looks like. I don't know where to, but you're one of the haves. And, and we have created this, this world, this system that, that we have come up with a lot of rationalizations of why the haves shouldn't have to share with the have-nots. And before you get all freaky on me. I'm not going on a political discussion. This isn't going to be about health care or anything else about that. And so don't freak out on me. I do think as Christians, the question is not how does it benefit me? It's how does it affect the least of these? I think that should be our question all the time. That's not popular. And I don't think either political party addresses that. If I don't think either political party has the answers to that. I don't think either political party owns justice or, or even understands justice. So this isn't about a political statement. This is about a spiritual statement. From the beginning, God 
in communicating to his people, said, hey, take care of those in need. Look out for the orphans. Look out for the widows. Look out for the poor. You can go back to the earliest books in the Bible, and there are, there are examples of share what you have with the have-nots. Don't ignore the widows. Don't ignore those who, who can't make it on their own. It's our, it's our job, it's our responsibility to know, to make sure that people are taken care of. Hunger, a, a problem that's been around forever and, and probably, like Jesus says, the poor will always be with us. Hunger will be a, is a symptom of, of poverty and will probably always be with us. But it's, it's something that shouldn't happen. We have plenty of resources God has given us everything we need. It's just we hold it all in certain places and not everybody has access to it. It's sort of like the muffin tray I had up here. You know, we, we like to have our muffin tray and we never know when we're going to need a muffin. You know? It, it, sure, I'm full now, but who knows? Three hours from now, I might need another one. And if I share with you, then how, what's going to happen when I want it? I tried to boil that down to a children's sermon so maybe you'd think about it just a minute because we do that all the time. We, we hold on to our muffins. And we're fat anyway, but we want more muffins. Give me more muffins. And we gather our muffins and we hold our muffins in banks and we build garages for our muffins. And there's people all around us that don't have muffins, but we don't care because they deserve it. They don't have jobs. If, if they tried a little harder, they could get by. I work for my money. I work for my muffins. I even came up with my own recipe for muffins. <laughs> Started my own muffin business. Do you see how... Ridiculous it is. What I want to talk to you about this morning is sharing justice, not forgetting those who are in need. We're going to look at a passage from Acts. Acts chapter 6. You know, the, the, there's, there's a lot in the Bible we could go to here. I wanted to sort of go outside of the norm in talking about this. Of course, if you're going to be talking about this, this type of attitude, the Good Samaritan is a good place to start, right? The story Jesus told about when, when, when he was asked, who is our neighbor? Because one of the, the great commandments is love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and some smarty in the crowd goes, well, who's my neighbor? And the Good Samaritan was the answer to that. Whoever you come in contact, even if it's your enemy, even if they don't look like you, even if you don't know who they are, we are called to take care of the needy. You can read the, the Old Testament prophets, and you'll, you'll find lots and lots of judgment against the nation of Israel because they were leaving out the least of these. They were ignoring the widows. They were ignoring the poor. They were ignoring the children. And God pronounces judgment on them because of that. The same could be said for our times today. 
Let's look at this passage in uh, chapter 6. This is the early church, and the, uh, after, after the, the movement of the Spirit, the, the giving out of the Spirit to the large group of people, there was, there was faith group that started, and they started coming together, and it was growing, and God was multiplying it, and there was energy, and they were, they were excited about loving God and the power of Jesus Christ and sharing that with the others. But in the midst of that great spiritual thing, reality hits them smack in the face and gets in the way. Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. I can't imagine that happening in church, but apparently it does in some places. The, the, the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows... We're being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Even in the midst of this, this startup movement, where they, are, they have just witnessed Jesus Christ. They have just witnessed the falling down of the Holy Spirit. They have just seen the power. Within months of that, there are already people forgetting what they're about. And there's those that are being left out. Even in the church. Wow. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. And they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We'll give them this responsibility. Then as apostles, we can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked the idea and they chose the following. Stephen, a man of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip. Uh, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmen, then several. Uh, and uh, these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The numbers of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and, be, and many of the Jewish priests were converted to. Now, normally, when you hear this, passage what it's used for is to tell you why the pastor shouldn't be doing everything in the church and certainly that's a good point out of that that the the you can't count on the the clergy to take care of care of everything what I want to pull out of this is is the problem of need that even in the midst of a church even in the midst of a church that was growing this this life transformational thing that Jesus Christ was doing that was just getting on. Even in the midst of that, the haves were forgetting the have-nots. It, it's, it's so much a part of us. It is so much a part of us. It's that look in the mirror that, that makes us sick when we see it. No matter how enlightened we think we are, no matter how progressive we think we are, no matter how loving we think we are, that bare look in the mirror exposes our greed. Every one of us suffers from that. It's, it's, a, it's a condition of the human situation. And even in the midst of God's most tremendous display of power, it crops up its ugly face. And it has continued to plague us. It will continue to plague us for years to come. And they needed a reminder. It took some grumbling and it took some, some fighting. You know, 
I think sometimes we forget, uh, I'll stop because I'm, I will make a political statement then I'll be in trouble. But, you know, it is okay to have conversations and disagreements, isn't it? I mean, isn't that who we are as a people? I thought that's what the United States was about. I, I'm, I'm sort of tired of all this, but there's my political statement, okay? And those of you, do, there's some of you that think I, I, you just don't know what my politics are, trust me, but you think you do, but you don't. I'm a hybrid, all right? But in the midst, in the midst of that, it took some grumbling. It took some reorganization, but they, the people needed to be mobilized to take care of the need. You know, I think this is what church is supposed to do. We, we are supposed to hear the grumblings of the world. We're supposed to be out there rubbing shoulders with people, finding out what's going on in the world, bringing it back here, saying, you know what? In the midst of where we live, in the midst of the affluence and the... the, uh, the the abundance that we have here, there is still need. We, there, are, there are people who need our help. There are people that don't know what to, to have for dinner. They don't have dinner. They don't have the ability to, to send lunch with their, their kids to school. And you know, and even as you're hearing that, you're thinking to them, so, yourself, yeah, but if they didn't spend it all on cigarettes... I saw him. He was at the he was at the convenience store. He was buying beer. You you show me somebody find and and then report back to me. You can send me an email. Of this you find justification for our not being generous because of the way the other person is acting in the scripture. Send me the passage and I'll I'll do a public recounting of of this message. It is not about what they do. It is about how we respond. We are judged not on their actions. We are judged on, were you generous? What God says is, I gave you everything. And you didn't deserve it at all. You were broken and lost. You were sinful and unjust. You were selfish and greedy. And yet I gave you everything, even my, my son. And if you're going to take my name, if you're going to call yourself by name, my name, then I need you to do the same for others. Grace has nothing to do with deserving. Grace has to do with meeting needs that you shouldn't ever expect could be met. As a church, as Christians, if we're going to grow in this thing we call Christianity, if, it, if it's going to be more than just a belief system, if it's going to be more than just a, a place we come, we have got to start growing in the likeness of Christ. Putting on his image, taking on his mindset. We do that by learning about him, by worshiping together, by praying together, by growing. But we are not supposed to be the same people tomorrow that we were today we're supposed to constantly be moving forward and for a lot of us our christianity has we're still in infancy because we've never wanted to move past our selfish things yeah when you got a baby i mean when you're a baby you're not worried about taking care of needs of others and we don't expect you to right you, you cry poop and 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 eat that's all you do 
There's one right there. <laughs> I just hope she didn't do the second one yet. Wait till after the service, Slayton. By the way, this is Susan Douglas's grandchild over here. She's very proud of her, so make sure you see her after the service. You know, babies aren't expected to do it, but guess what? You shouldn't be baby Christians anymore. There was a point where you could take that name. And for some of you, maybe that is the case, but there's some of you have been nursing the baby Christian thing for 50, 60 years. Those people get put away in homes, if we're talking physically. We need to grow in our relationship. I want to talk about one of the ways we, uh, the Methodist Church had, uh, the, the, our bishops, and I've told you before, I'm not, I'm not a big proponent of our bureaucracy, but when they do something good, I, I need to let you. Our, our council bishops came up with, uh, for, the, for the future, of four things we want to work on. Number one is, is quit building clubhouses and, and, and having our tight little groups. We want, we want to create places for new people. We want to be inviting to new people. That's a good one. The other one is we want to, we want to encourage younger clergy. We, us old farts need to get out of the way and there needs to be some, some new energy. It, it used to be back in the day that, that clergy were young. You came out of high school, you went in anymore it's all of us second career people and and we don't relate with the rest of the world and if you have a whole clergy system that's five years from retirement they're not going to identify with 20 somethings you know so we need to encourage younger clergy those are but these are the two that i I think really talk about who we want to be as a church ministry to the poor and needy and addressing the global health concerns. Ministry to the poor and needy and addressing global health concerns. Well, in, in, in speaking of how we, one of the ways that we try to participate in uh, ministry to the poor and needy is, is helping hands. And uh, helping hands is, it, it's not a ministry of this church, uh, some of its founders are, are members of our church, but it was a, it's an it's a organization here, and I apologize, my computer crashed about 100 times this week, and I, w- I had dreams of this great video I was going to put together, and this is about as good as I could come up with, but, um, but Helping Hands is a ministry that's here in Spicewood, that, that in the 78669 zip code. Ministers to the needs of, of folks. They have a food bank where, where you can come and, and receive nourishment for your food. They also give out non-food items like uh, diapers and toilet paper and, and, and things like that. They do crisis counseling where they meet with the folks. They interview them as they come in. What's going on with you? Oh, I lost my job. Da, da, da. They'll help with utility costs. They'll help with uh, doctor bills, that kind of thing. Um, it, it, it's on Pace Bend Road. If you go down uh, Pace Bend Road uh, in the old uh, Perdinalis Property Owners Association building, uh, that's, that's where they're housed. And each week, Tuesday nights from 4 to 6, they 
they open up and, and minister to the, the people that, that come in. And, and here's the point I want you to get. The, the reason I picked the, the scripture that we did is because in reality what happened is as we were developing as a church and we started to see where we are out here, we heard the grumblings. We could see the, the poverty around us. We could see that in the midst of million-dollar homes, there were people struggling to make ends meet. And so there were some, a few folks that instead of pointing their finger saying somebody ought to do something, said, we are going to do something. And it, it, it was not an easy process. I, I, want you to, I want you to, what I want you to hear is how even you could make a difference, okay? There, there, is, there is not some secret magic potion to doing something that, 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 that means something other than perseverance and energy and passion. And so the folks got together and, and they started meeting, they started dreaming, and they started looking for places. And there was a lot of prayer around it. There was a lot of effort around it. There was, there was financial support that came to help it. And back in, uh, was it 2006 that it started? I got my notes here. In, in June 2007, they launched it. Not really knowing if it was going to go anywhere. Not knowing if they were going to have the ability to keep the doors open for more than one time. But they said, you know what? We believe God loves poor people. And because God loves poor people, we need to love poor people. We believe that God wants us to reach out and love our neighbor. And since God wants us to reach out and love our neighbor, we're going to do something to reach out and love our neighbor. Let me just give you this. These are statistics from the end of last year. In 2008, 560 households were served at the ministry. That equals about 1,500 people that had some contact with the, with the ministry. Many of them were repeat clients. Each time they come in, they're interviewed. They, they find out what the current status is. They give food. Uh, if they have some financial requests or review those and they set some limits on those, but they, they, um, they minister to the needs of the people. Yeah, I don't know if you caught it that when I was doing the children's sermon and somebody goes, I want a muffin, I said, oh, I'll pray for you for that. You know how many times we do that in the church? Somebody comes in, oh man, I, we're going to get kicked out of our house. I'll pray for you. What they, and prayer is great, but what they need is somebody to help them where they are. And yes, you need to use discernment. Yes, you need to use judgment. Yes, we need to be good stewards, but don't allow that, that kind of language to become an excuse to be selfish and greedy. Helping hands is, is making a difference in our community. This church has participated in it uh, since its inception. We give a monthly amount to that. On Sundays when we take up outreach offering, a portion of that goes to helping hands. We believe we need to make a difference where we live. 
That's why I started with this one, because it, if we, it doesn't matter if we're going off into foreign countries if we're not taking care of those around us. We need to make a difference here. I wanted to highlight that ministry for two reasons. Number one, because I don't think some of you know about it. And number two, maybe you would like to be a part of it. And number three, maybe there's something that God's nudging you to do that could help those around you as well, but you just thought it couldn't happen. Helping hands is a story that it can happen. And they have their, they have their victory stories, and they have the stories that rip your heart out, and they have the stories that are frustrating. It's not like they opened the doors and, and the sun came out and boo, and it's been shining on them forever and they just, you know, ballet through the thing, high-fiving all the time. No, that's frustrating. If you're going to deal with poor and sinners and brokenness, guess what? It hurts and it's messy. But it's what God did for us. The question is, are you willing to join him in ministry? This is the key to what we're talking about this fall. Are you ready to move beyond being a consumer of God's grace to being a sharer of God's grace? Are you willing to move beyond being a consumer of God's grace to being a sharer of God's grace? Why don't you bow with me? Let's, let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we have to confess that we We fall way short in this. It's that look in the mirror that's, that's horrifying. Most of the time we can hide it, we can, we can pretend, but God, we know we're not the people you've called us to be. Whether it's fear, whether it's judgment, whatever it is, we, we all have our reasons, but God, it keeps us from responding to the need around us. And we won't be able to move past this on our own. We need your spirit. We need your guidance. We need you to transform and shape us. To bring us into that, that new creation that that your word promises we become when we, when we trust in you. Lord, we thank you for, for the Helping Hands Crisis Ministry. Thank you for the people that are, are a part of that. We thank you for the food banks ar around this country. And, and God, we, we not only pray for, for the hungry and the poor here, we pray for them everywhere. Continue to lead by your spirit. God, give your people ears to hear and feet to respond so that we can, we can make a difference in this world. Not just in this church, but God, dear people everywhere, allow us to remember the poor. Don't let us get complacent. Don't let us be greedy. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.